0: What does Motion sound like? With Hands free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of Motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to life. Featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katyan. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved. So if you would like to contribute, head on over to Patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash Baldhead Bible. How do you go from the heights of what Saul was blessed with to how his life ended? How do you go from being crowned king of Israel and Samuel says that Yahweh has chosen you, Saul, and Yahweh is going to bless you and bless you and bless you and is going to bless your family? How do you go from that center of blessing by God to the end of his life, where the writer in the book of First Chronicles chapter 10 sums up Samuel's life this way, that the Lord killed him. The Lord killed him. First Chronicles 10 verse 14, he did not seek the Lord's guidance, Saul, so the Lord killed him. I mean, I it just astounds me with Saul. How do you go from, you are going to be the king of Israel and I am going to bless you. And, and Saul is so humble and says, I am so sorry. I can't believe you're picking me, even though he was incredibly handsome and really tall. and But, but he has this sense of humility about him. And then at the end of his life, it says of Saul that the Lord killed him. Why? Because he was unfaithful to the Lord, it says in 1 Chronicles 10, and he did not obey the Lord's instructions, and he even tried to conjure up underworld spirits. He even tried to conjure up the dead Talk about going against what the Lord wanted. And, and the writer of First Chronicles is very clear as to why God rejected Saul and at the end of his life had to say, It is your time to die. I've got to take your life, Saul. It's because he did not obey the Lord. He broke faith with Yahweh. And he went after demonic spirits. Now again, how do you start from, you are a young man who is anointed the king over Israel. And God says, I am going to bless you. And I'm going to send little little signs that you are my chosen man. And I'm going to bless your family for generations to come. You know, I don't think he set out with the plan to end up having to be killed by Yahweh. I don't think he set out with the plan to, to say, my time is up. In, in, in fact, I, I'm, I'm so far away from God that I'm going to a witch to try to understand God's will. I'm trying to go to a demonic spirit so that I can understand Yahweh? How did this all end up here? Well, those of you who've been following the podcast, you know... He stopped obeying the Lord, and it started all the way back in 1 Samuel there when Saul decided to not totally wipe out the king of the Amalekites and decided to keep some of the jewelry and some of the animals and cattle for himself, and Samuel confronts him And Saul lies and says, oh, yeah, I did everything you asked me. And then Samuel says, what is that sound of the sheep that I hear? The bah, the bleating in my ears. You're a liar, Saul. And God is going to rip the kingdom from your house and give it to another. And once that happened, it just began this descent And I sort of imagine it as being sucked down into this wormhole of depravity and destruction. And Saul just got depressed and more depressed. And then he had an evil spirit upon him. And then he would just throw spears at David. And he sought over 16 times to try to kill David. And nowhere is there a sign of repentance. He would ask for forgiveness He would realize he was wrong, but you don't ever sense in this whole passages from when he started to fail to now that Saul really repented and wanted to come back to the Lord. No, instead he became harder and harder in his heart and more obstinate and more obstinate, and he would not repent until in his very last act. He did something incredibly shameful for any king of Israel to do. And what was that? Well, hang on here, I'll tell you. Because the last time we left Saul, right, he was consulting the witch of Endor. He was asking her what's going to happen next. David was off at the Battle of Ziklag, and Yahweh was with him. And with only 400 men, he took on thousands upon thousands, and he defeated them. And in contrast, we have Saul, who's with a witch, talking to demonic spirits, trying to ascertain God's will. I mean, talk about a low point. He can't get any lower than that. He's desperate to hear from God, but he doesn't go to God. Instead, he goes in the opposite direction. Well, God does answer him, right? If you remember, right? The witch of Endor conjures up the ghost of Samuel, which totally freaked her out. She's like, How did that happen? That should not have been. That's not my usual trick. I got some mirrors, some light, got some pulley things going there. What in the world is this? This actually worked. You know, this was frightening stuff. And in this ghostly appearance, Samuel prophesies that, Saul, you're going to die. And your boys are going to die. In this battle that you're about to go into, you are going to die. So we come to the last chapter in 1 Samuel. And here we see what happens to Saul. 1 Samuel 31. It's his last great battle. And here he is, it's, it's, it's whatever you want to call it, the, the, the battle for Gilboa. No, no, I, I, I think it's more the, the battle of the Valley of Jezreel. And it's this huge valley, and at one end of it, the Philistines were arrayed, and on the other side of it, the Israeli army was arrayed. And, and behind the Israeli army was the Mount Gilboa. See, and one of the interesting things is that the Philistines were far advanced technologically than the Israelites. And they had ability with metal that the Israelites didn't have. And they had powerful chariots, which is sort of like having tanks and your opponents don't have tanks. Well, how come they didn't just wipe out the Israelites? Well, number one, God was on the Israelite side. But number two... Once they got into the mountainous regions of central Israel, their tanks, their chariots, were useless. A chariot being pulled by horses couldn't go down the roads that they were required to go down. The Israelites could hide in the rocks and the crannies and shoot them. And so their technological advancement their technological skill was useless where they had to fight the Israelis in the central area, this mountainous region. Well, here, they're in the Valley of Jezreel, and guess what? There, their technological advantage can be used to its fullest. They've got a big valley, lots of flat area to let their chariots run, and on that day, they did, and it says the philistines and the israelites came into battle with each other and the chariots were just destroying the israelites totally wiping out army after army of the israelites now the thing is saul knew this after consulting with the witch of endor he knew he was gonna die maybe he thought well still in the battle and i'll just die i'm not certain but he knew this thing wasn't going to go well well it did not go well at all I mean, the chariots were just slaughtering everybody. The Philistines were crushing them. And it says that finally they pushed the Israelites all the way east up to Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines got ahead of Saul and his, and his sons, and, and so they couldn't go hide in the rocks and the mountains. And I can imagine they're finally beginning to surround him. And it says there in 1 Samuel 31 that the Philistines struck down three of Saul's sons. Malkishua, who we really haven't heard of. Abinadab, who again we really haven't heard of. And then he struck down, the Philistines killed the best son, the coolest guy. The Philistines killed Jonathan. And I wonder what that was like, you know? Jonathan was a warrior. and He was brave. And I wonder if he was surrounded by Philistines and he took out like 300 of them in one final stand and then... Whoosh, a Philistine kills him because there's just too many and he's overrun. I don't know, I can imagine Jonathan standing strong to the end because... He was the best, and he truly followed Yahweh, and here he is fighting with his loser dad. Man, I wish it could have ended better for Jonathan, but I don't know how he died. All I know is I bet you he died with honor. Well, Jonathan and his two brothers are killed, and then I can imagine the Philistines are starting to move in on Saul. All it says is they were pressed hard against Saul. That's what it says. They found him and they came up upon him. And here they are surrounding him. In the First Chronicles version, it says that the archer spotted him and began to shoot at him with their bow and arrow, and it was the archery that ended up wounding Saul. Maybe maybe they did the same thing with Jonathan. You know, arrows coming in from all angles. Phew, phew. And then finally, he is just covered in arrows, and he does not want to be killed. By the Philistines, or maybe he thinks they're going to do something worse. I mean, they did some bad stuff back in the day. You know they would hurt you, but still keep you half alive they would They would torture you. I mean it was bad, and Saul is scared of this, so he says to his armor bearer, "Please." draw your sword and please kill me with it. I'd rather be killed by an Israelite than than one of these pagan Philistines. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't call out to God for help. Never once does he call out for the Lord. You don't see him asking for the Lord for help here. There is no heart that says, I want the Lord on my side. In the end, it's me. I'm going to go down my way. Please, he says, come and stab me. Otherwise, these Philistines will come and torture me. But his armor bearer is like, I can't kill you. I wonder if the armor bearer was like David. David could not kill Saul. Why? Because Saul was God's anointed. Or or maybe he was just too scared. Or maybe in the heat of the battle, it was frightening. I don't know. But the armor bearer couldn't do it. Now, an armor bearer was basically the main guy's right-hand man. And he would sometimes carry his armor and help him put it on before battle and help him take it off after battle. Well, it was probably a young man, and Saul says, kill me, I don't want to be tortured. But instead, the armor bearer couldn't do it. So you know what Saul did? You know, instead of going out in a blaze of glory, taking out 20, 30... Philistine's with him and some fantastic fight to the death. And we all cheer Saul on. And maybe he calls out to Yahweh and repents. And then he gets killed by the Philistines. I mean, to me, that'd be the way to go. But no. When Saul realizes his armor bearer won't kill him. And out of fear of being tortured, I can imagine he looks around. And he pulls out a sword. And he sticks the handle in the ground so that the pointy end of the sword is sticking up. And then he look at his, took his sword and it says that he fell on it. And I think that's the only way you could do it. I mean, I guess you could stab yourself, but to me, that doesn't really sound like you're falling on it. Instead, I think what they used to do was stick the sword in the ground with the handle in the ground, with the pointy end sticking up, and then they would fall backwards on it, fall forwards on it. Probably they fell forward on it because that's, you know, you could hit your belly, you know you're going to get stabbed in the right spot. But basically, he committed suicide. Now, this went against Jewish law. You don't kill yourself. Suicide is shameful. The Lord is the one who raised you up, Saul. The Lord is the one who will take you out. Well, and it does say the Lord killed him, right? The Lord used Saul's own depravity to kill him. But it was a shameful thing. And it's rarely mentioned in the Old Testament. Because if you were a king, if you were a great hero of the faith, if if you were a great hero, some legendary valiant man from Israel's past, you didn't kill yourself. But that's how far Saul had fallen. That he would even consider doing something like this. One writer put it, his death by his own hand Climaxed a life which had been led in independence of God. And I think that's a good way to put it. Saul lived in independence of God. He broke his covenant with the Lord, he did not obey the Lord's instruction. He instead did things his own way, like going to a witch and consulting demonic spirits. He did not seek the Lord's guidance, it says in 1 Chronicles 10, verse 14. He did not seek the Lord's guidance. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what I want. He lived in independence from God. So the Lord killed him. Though in human terms... He killed himself. And what a tragic way to go. And as he falls on his sword, as he lays there, if you could only think all the way back to when Saul became king and was anointed for the first time, if you could travel in time back then and and go back to him and say, Hey, this is going to end badly. Let's try to end this good. Don't live on your own terms. Be obedient to God. Have a heart after God. Truly be devoted to Yahweh. Obey His word. Obey His commands. Don't do things in your own strength. Don't get all uppity and cocky and full of yourself. Repent. Say I'm sorry. Ask for forgiveness I'd love to tell young Saul that, but instead here in the battle of the Valley of Jezreel, he's laying on the ground, killed by himself. He killed himself in a suicidal death. And his armor bearer, when he sees that Saul, his king, is dead, guess what he does? The exact same thing he falls on his sword well there's more humiliation to come for Saul because when the Philistines see this they go yeah and they are so excited and when all of Israel hears that Saul their king is dead guess what they run and they flee And so the Philistines not only defeat the army, they get all the cities in that region because the Israelites just run, all because of this faithless king. And so you know what they do? The Philistines grab this faithless king. And you know what they do? Whack! They chop off his head. That was a great dishonor. And then they take his body and they put it on the walls of Beth-shan or beth It's a city nearby that they controlled and they put his body up there, his headless body on the walls of the city so that everybody who would come by, this was a major trade route and they would ride their camel by and they would see Saul's body pinned to the walls of Beth Sheehan or Beth Shan and people would be like and they'd mock it and they'd make fun of it and here was the great king. What a embarrassing way to die. And then they took his head and they took it to their idol, to their great temple. And they took it to their god, Dagon, who was half man, half fish. He had the head of a man and the body of a fish. Well, if you remember, God had toppled this mighty statue, bam, straight on the floor of their temple The Ark of the Covenant had been so powerful that it toppled this great statue and they had lost the head of their god, Dagon. Well, they replaced it, bam, with the head of Saul. They probably put it right there on top of their idol, their great statue to their god, Dagon, and they danced and they celebrated. Yeah, our god defeated the Jewish god. Our God defeated Yahweh. Our God, the God of the Philistines, defeated the God of Israel. I mean, that's the way they looked at it back then, you know? It wasn't just physical battle. It was also the spiritual battle that they sensed back then. One God versus another God. And guess what? Today, Dagon won. And they took the spoils of war, and they put it in their temple, and they paraded it out there on their wall, and they celebrated... Again, what a horrible way to end. But there are valiant men left. And there are men and women who still want to do what's right. And sometimes when the times look dark, when things look bad, that's when good men rise up. Well, the good men that rose up this time were the men of a town called Jabesh Gilead. And it's east of the Jordan River, but it's near this Mount Gilboa, and it's near where this temple was. And when they heard what the Philistines did to the body of Saul and how they had placed it on the walls of Bethshean, it says that the men of Jabesh Gilead, they snuck up there and they grabbed the body of Saul off the wall and they took off for home. And it says there, they burned the body and then buried the bones. Now, according to Jewish death rites and rituals, you don't do cremation. You don't burn the body. That is considered a a great dishonor. But I think by this time, it was probably an honor to Saul. Because it had been on the wall for a while. And maybe there had been flies and maggots and gross stuff that would gotten in there. And they're like, this is a great dishonor to him. And so they burned his body to get rid of all the nasty flesh. To get rid of all the horrible things that were on there that was a dishonor to Saul. And it says, after the flesh had burned away, they took the bones and buried him under a big Oak tree, Jabesh Gilead. Now, why would these men do that? Well, they loved King Saul because early on in his reign, do you remember, Saul came to the aid of Jabesh Gilead, and Saul helped to free Jabesh Gilead from the reign of terror of another tribe, and he came to their aid, and the men of Jabesh Gilead were thankful. And they never forgot that. And, and also the tribe of Benjamin was connected in some way to the Jabesh-Gileadites. You know, they were historically connected. And I think they felt because of family lineage and because of what Saul had done for us in the past, we've got to honor him. And I think God blessed that sense of honor and of being thankful and of doing right. They were able to sneak over there, grab the body off of the city walls there, and they recovered the body of Saul. And it says there in 1 Chronicles 10, they not only recovered the body of Saul, the Philistines had done the same thing to the bodies of Jonathan and and his two other sons. And so they grabbed the whole family and properly gave them a burial honorable and honoring to who they were and the God they served. But in the end, Saul died a tragic death. And in the end, the Bible records that the Lord killed him because he broke faith. He stopped obeying the Lord and he sought demonic spirits. And God said, enough is enough is enough. You're dead, Saul. Now is the time for the reign of David. And we are about to hear King David come to the throne and the reign of his kingdom If you want to hear that story, man, come back next week. But the thing I want to end here with Saul is it started so well with Saul, right? Praised by God. You're going to be blessed, blessed, blessing. Thank you, Lord. Saul was humble and contrite and wanted to follow Yahweh, but it ended so badly. Dark depression, rejecting God angry, bitter, independent of God, wanted nothing to do with Yahweh, dying in a way that brings shame to him and his family, and in a battle that dishonored his God. And in the end, the Lord had to kill him. And I just want to encourage you, you know, nobody sets out to end badly. Nobody says, I'm going to start off great and it's going to be really good spiritually and then, boom, I'm going to start to run into spiritual defeat after spiritual defeat and it's going to end badly, boom. Nobody plans that. Nobody wants that. But I want to say it starts here, right? With the fact that Saul chose to disobey God. And he chose to disobey God one day. Then he chose to disobey God a little more the next day. And then he chose to disobey God a little more the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, day, until he got to a point where he was so far away from God, he could barely see him, and instead he turns around and thinks of running towards the demonic side of things. And I want to say the way Saul could have gotten back... And if you feel that in your spirit, that you're getting further and further away from God, and you don't care about him anymore, you know what? The thing to do is to stop and to start obeying God. And just obey him in the little ways, you know? When your parents ask you to do something, obey. When your teacher at school asks you to do something, obey. When your boss asks you to do something instead of grumbling about it, obey. Change your attitude. Change your spirit. Start having devotions every day. It doesn't have to be long. Five minutes in the book of Proverbs whatever day you're on, let's say it's day 13, look up Proverbs 13. Day 18, look up Proverbs 18. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And guess what? There are 31 days of the month. And guess what? There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So if you just pick the day you're on, you can read the chapter for that day and learn. And if you just do that, little steps, little steps coming back to god little steps starting to walk in the right direction little steps that's all saul had to do but instead he pursued himself more and more and more and more and i just want to say don't do it don't do it because it will end badly as it did for saul but you know what the lord is with david and we're going to hear some exciting stories of what Yahweh is going to do with David. Why? Because David has a heart after God. David is going to fall flat on his face and he's going to fail a gazillion times. But each time David gets up, he asks for forgiveness, and he keeps pursuing God day after day after day after day. Let's be David. Please. Let's not be solved. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katsian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katsian. Edited by Lincoln Katsian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible podcasts, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.